This show is a part of the Versus the Universe Network. For more information on Versus the Universe, go to versustheuniverse.com. That's vstheuniverse.com. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Hey everyone, and welcome to Digital Dumpster Diving, where we dig through digital games and movies trying to find something worth our time and maybe yours. Will we find trash or treasure? I'm Dave Martin, and with me as always is Matt Peters. Matt, how are things going for you, sir? Hey, life is grand, Dave. And by grand, I mean, it's just peachy. Wonderful things, man. We got we got a great movie to talk about tonight. I'm, I'm excited to talk about Alien Arrival. See, you say things like that, and I genuinely cannot tell if you're being serious or sarcastic or some <laughs> somewhere in between. I don't know. Oh, no, Dave, I'm always serious when I say that I'm excited to talk about the film or the game, as the case may be. The question is, am I excited to talk about it so we can never talk about it again, or because I genuinely enjoyed it? I'll let the listeners decide which one it is. It won't take them too long to find out. Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, folks. Thank you for tuning in once again to Digital Dumpster Diving. As Dave mentioned, he's him and I'm me. And we are brought to you by the Versus the Universe podcast network. Those fine folks over at Versus the Universe actually make sure that we can stay on the air, as the case may be. I know that phrase doesn't really have the meaning that it used to but they make sure that the podcast can be available to you through your various platforms by you know sponsoring folks like us and like the cooperative podcast and us and yeah all these other wonderful podcasts on the versus universe network you got to check it out folks and if you do enjoy podcasts versus universe network please be encouraged to contribute to the patreon so along with us, there are several other great shows, lots of new things coming out. Um, one of the things we frequently talk about uh, is the Geek Show. There is not a Geek Show coming up this month because there is so many other amazing things going on in Versus the Universe. We are excited to be announcing several of them. There will be a really cool Kickstarter coming up in a month for a, an, a really fun project. And there are going to be several more opportunities to hear us and the other personalities of Versus the Universe. Yeah, that's right, folks. What Dave said. Plus, it's convention season. Convention season is upon us. So keep your eyes peeled on some amazing announcements that may or may not be coming in the near future. Do, do, do. That's right. We've been canceled. No, no. (laughs) And the minstrels rejoiced. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Speaking of minstrels, we got to talk about some characters in this movie. Oh. (laughs) And there really weren't that many characters. There weren't. There weren't. And I don't know if that's a good thing or, yeah. Well, uh, we'll get to that. Before we go any further, let's talk a little bit about Arrowhead, or as it's known on Netflix, Alien Arrival. In Alien Arrival, Kai is a prisoner of war caught between two armies that he doesn't believe in. When offered an opportunity for freedom, Kai sets out on one last rescue mission only to become stranded on a desert moon when his ship, the Arrowhead, crash lands. Kai has to learn to survive when he discovers a new life form that will challenge his very body and soul. This 2016 film was written and directed by Jesse O'Brien and stars Dan Moore, Alicia Rose, Christopher Kirby, Mark Redpath, and Sean Mikalef. You know, we pretty much named 
just about everyone who is in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Now, just to just to clarify, I know that our our recap that we pulled says 2016, but it actually premiered in November of 2015 at the Sci-Fi Film Festival, and it got a wide release in Australia in June 2016. And of course, it was recently made available worldwide on Netflix, which is uh, one reason we decided to check it out. Now, one thing that we rarely actually address on the show here and something that I want to uh, maybe start leaning towards is kind of just looking at the production aspect of all these films. You know, we, we kind of gently poke fun at some things in these projects, um, but let's, let's take a look from, from a wider scope here. So the budget on this film was 180 grand. And I want to ask you, Dave, before we even get to our rating scale, do you feel like on the very basic level the entire $180,000 was on the screen. I didn't know what the budget was beforehand. I, you could tell that, you know, they're, they're not running with, you know, the budget they're using for Marvel movies. Um, so there were some things that really didn't look quite as convincing as one would hope. But I think for that, for that budget, I think they did exceptionally well in terms of the production value of it. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I mean, even uh, you know, just through further analyzation of the project itself, it was based on a short film that Jesse O'Brien, the writer and director, did back in 2012, which he did for like 600 bucks. So, um, you know, just given how far this project has come, going from a $600 budget to 180 grand, and it got as wide a release as it did, I, I'd say it's a pretty successful project in that regard. So that's kind of cool. Good for good for Jesse O'Brien. You know, and, and it got us here talking about it today, so I guess that's that's a win. You know, if, if you can make it onto our show, you know you're making it somewhere in life, right? That's right, man. You know, we are very picky about the projects. That we, <laughs> I can't even get through that with a straight face. No, man. You know what? You show up with something that's available for streaming, and it's free, and it's like got somewhere in the middle of three stars yeah we're gonna talk about this project so come on through guys <laughs> everybody's welcome we don't discriminate <laughs> so jesse o'brien and his team we're gonna talk about the movie we're gonna talk about a little bit of everything that we liked that we didn't like didn't like didn't like right after we tell you the rating scale so we're gonna throw it to our wonderful assistant marcy to tell us all about digital dumpster diving's rating scale take it away marcy I am taking it away. And here's the rating scale. <laughs> come on. If you're going to imitate your wife, you got to come more correct than that. I, actually, I don't think I've ever given uh, D a voice like that. So, yeah, you're doing better than I am. Doing better than I am. The four-point rating scale starts with Toxic Sludge for the worst of the worst. After watching this, even though it's free, you still feel ripped off. There's nothing of redeeming quality here. Hazardous is for the stuff that's pretty bad, but maybe has a few good parts, or might be right for the right person. Reusable means it's entertaining enough, reaches some of its potential, and is something we think you'll probably enjoy. And the best of the best gets the elusive rating of treasure, something we found that we think you should run out and enjoy right away. Alright, that is our rating scale. Thank you, Marcy. I liked the locations, although they were fairly... I mean, it was really arid desert. It was filmed in Australia, I assume. Yeah. Um... Not a lot of exciting things going there, but I am good with character-driven, small cast stories, and so for me, most of this worked pretty well. Um, there were two main plot lines for the movie. One of them worked a lot better than the other for me, and we'll get more into that in spoilers 
But overall, there was a little bit of mystery about what was going on. I I feel like they they built that up pretty well, and they resolved enough of it without necessarily answering all the questions. Um, the actors did for what the plot was. I thought the actors did a good job. Um, the special effects for that kind of a budget were amazing. They're not amazing compared to Marvel films. <laughs> Overall, I thought this was this was an enjoyable movie. I do kind of want to introduce some other people to it. I don't know if they'll like it as much as I did, but I I, I would give this one a a solid reusable, even though they probably could have taken a few more risks. Okay, okay. So now, now. I'm going to come off as a complete hypocrite because all that wonderful, <laughs> like, you know, optimistic uh, claptrap that I was spewing before, it's it's all out the window, sir. I <laughs> wanted to like this movie. I wanted to like it from the very beginning because, honestly, the, the intro hooked me. It had me interested in what was happening there. And, if, if, and we'll get more into that intro in the spoiler section, of course, but if the entire movie had been based around that intro and what was going on there, I, I would have been fully invested. You know, no aliens, no other things that took place, none of that. It was just way too all over the place to really get a good hook, you know, into, man. Like, wow. wow. Everything was all over the place. Some of the acting was fantastic. Like, some of the stuff that... Um, the character uh, Hatch was doing early in the film, like his uh, his initial speech. I was tuned in to this guy. Mark Redpath is the actor's name. He did an amazing job making me believe that this character was a living, breathing person. Um, uh, Kai Cortland, he did a great job at the beginning, too. Um, as they went bigger throughout the movie, that's when I kind of tuned out. There were some parts, some minor roles, um, some characters that we never really were introduced to fully um, that could have been fleshed out or could have been used uh, in places that reuse uh, Kai. And, and uh, the character, uh, Taryn, the girl, mm -hmm. I, I feel like we never truly met her. I feel like, you know, that was just kind of a waste of, of a character there. Like, she wasn't fleshed out hardly at all. She was basically just, uh, you know, bait across the board you know and man i gotta tell you that the computer <laughs> <laughs> you know i gotta tell you man just the the acting of the computer in this movie you know i grew up with michelle barrett on star trek and she did such a fantastic job of just that monotone motionless um but still you know kind sounding computer voice that I've been spoiled. And to go to uh, Sean Mikalev doing Reef, he just seemed mean. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> just mean and sarcastic the whole time. And not in that fun, you know, uh, Rogue One sort of way with uh, K2SO. But yeah, just, you know, not having it. Almost like a, almost like a Wheatley from Portals, too, if people got that reference. <laughs> They're listening to this. Obviously, they did. Hi, Jonesy. So, yeah, people got that reference. Yeah, dude, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Ultimately, I guess what I'm saying is I'm going to have to give this movie... I'm going to give it a hazardous. 
You know, that that's fair. There were certainly issues with it. I, I, I wanted to like this movie. Um, before we get started, I also mentioned it was um, a little long in the runtime. And I'm just like looking at my hypothetical watch, <laughs> just waiting for this <laughs> to run out. Yeah, there were several times. And you know what's weird too, man? Like the production, there were moments where they did scene transitions that were inspired. Yeah, there was a point where it was on the uh, the launch bay. And instead of having to, you know, pay to do the big takeoff scene and have it launch into space, the scene transition focused on the ship and then kept the ship in the same place. But then it, the Earth or whatever planet they were on faded away and it was just the ship from that same angle in outer space. I thought that was so cool. I thought that was a unique way to save time and money. So kudos for that. But then there were also times where it was like, there was a resolution to something that took place. And it seemed like almost as if the movie was cutting to commercial or just about to go to the credits. And now here's a message from our sponsors. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, like, I don't know. It, it just it felt like it could have been three different movies that could have been fleshed out instead of trying to jam it all together as one. Yeah, I, I definitely get the at, at least two movie vibe out of this. All right. So, folks, we're going to dive into the spoilers. If you have any desire to watch this movie after my glowing review of it, or, you know, Dave's also glowing review, um, go ahead and pause right now. Check it out. Come back. It's on Netflix, like we said. Probably watch something else. But if you're morbidly curious, check this out. Yes. And then come back. So without further ado, the spoilers. So you mentioned the opening scenes of the movie. The very opening scene was on the prison colony, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that whole like, you know, prison colony with the weird mouth guards and everything like that. We didn't get to know more about the mouth guards. Why did they have those mouth guards? It felt like maybe they were trying to prevent them from communicating with one another um, to uh, plan an escape. Or maybe they wanted to have some type of uniform food delivery system. Uh, or maybe it was keeping out hazardous chemicals as they worked in the field we'll never know because we were there for like 10 minutes <laughs> <laughs> now full disclosure as the scene was going on and of course we know that um you know from the text at the, at the very beginning and if you look away from the text you're gonna miss something um basically hatch was breaking into prisons to help his uh former soldiers escape like that was the the crux of the plot so i guess he let himself get captured he was trying to break out kai because he knew his father and as he's doing that you know there's this big scuffle and all the prisoners are chained up to this giant machine that kai repaired uh to chop the prisoners up if they if they uh, went awol or tried to go awol or something and uh yeah there, this is this is kind of like a, a lot of action going at the same time meanwhile um, Hatch has a sniper uh, set up on high who was shooting the guards in the head or wherever as, as the, uh, you know, the prisoners are working on escaping. What I didn't see, what I looked away, the first viewing, I didn't see the reticle of the sniper rifle. So there's a point where Hatch like, just points the finger gun from the jewel style at one of the guards and he you know, pulls the trigger and the guard's head explodes. And I'm like, whoa, is he magic? I had no idea that was going on. <laughs> Is he the alien? Has he arrived? What's going on here? But unfortunately, that was not the case. It was just, you know, he was dramatic. 
as Hatch does. But I thought that scene was full of like, it was action, suspense, it had a lot going on for it. There were no aliens, but there was uh, the loss of a limb. There was. That was one problem I had with the movie at first was that when Kai got his leg chopped off, we didn't see him hobble around. Dude was just like steady the entire film. And it wasn't one of those things where, oh, it's the future. They went ahead and just, you know, uh, replicated him a new leg. No, he had like a fake leg, and that was an important plot point to the film. But he never actually favored it. Like, even on Empire, (laughs) with Terrence Howard, he even, like, you know, kind of plays it up a little bit. You can can tell he's only got one leg. He's got, you know, a fake leg. But no, man, uh, you know, for all the acting that uh, our guy Dan Moore was doing as Kai, he did not sell that injury. If he was a wrestler... I think uh, he this, this would not have been a five star. Well, and they didn't try to present the the prosthetic they gave him as I got the impression it was kind of supposed to be a junky thing. And uh. you know, if they had tried to sell it as a really good prosthetic, I could see him not showing anything, but they didn't. And so you'd think, well, if he got his leg blown off and he's got a junky prosthetic, you should see a little hobble going on there. Yeah, yeah, but no. I mean, even to say like the dude was in like killer shape too, so it's possible that you know they just figured, all right, well, you know, he's so muscular and so like fit that he wouldn't have to sell that injury like a normal human being. But no, it just it it didn't ring true. They only really talked about it or or really showed it on the screen when it was necessary to the plot. Going on with the rest of that scene, so he got the prosthetic, Hatch presents him with a chance to save his dad, and has one last mission to do it, he gets ready to go on the mission, and then that basic plot line kind of just fizzles out. Yep. The first 15 minutes of the movie don't give you any indication of what's coming for the rest of the movie at all. Right. Right. That was your movie, right there. That was was movie number one. (laughs) (laughs) movie number two i guess it was alien arrival because they he was the alien that arrived on that moon pretty much i don't know that that was that was weird to me that they just took such offense that this creature was doing what it was doing they had no knowledge of the planet the robot was being a punk so he didn't really tell him that he's the worst droid man he's like (laughs) if they gave r2d2 a voice (laughs) <laughs> basically <laughs> you know it just he kept demanding that you log in man like the worst website you go to you know like you gotta log in before you can access that content no man no wall street journal don't want to sign up for a member or a subscription i just want to read the article i clicked on. that's all we have the best articles how about you log in before i tell you about any of them yeah yeah Let's but it wasn't good in. enough to log in it wasn't good enough to log in you have to ask me everything. I'm not going to tell you anything, except sometimes I do. But the rest of the time, I'm not going to tell you anything unless you ask me. I wanted his last words to be, let's log in, you know? <laughs> if this movie were more popular, let's log in would be on t-shirts, you know, your punchline on the, on the Tonight Show. It, it, yeah, it, it would tick off, but no, I'm sorry. Or, or maybe like, Kai, I'm logging out. <laughs> let's log out. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, the whole storyline, uh, encountering the the beast, whatever it was, which we never really got quite a good look at. It was some type of sandworm creature, but it was 
cave. So I don't know. Kind of came off like a one of the sandworms from Dune, maybe, or or that worm from Beetlejuice, almost. But yeah, cloaked in shadow. Well, and we don't know what the hive mother thing ever was like, but the the kids turned into the the stereotypical insectoid alien that's been in half of sci-fi movies as uh, Starship Troopers, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, D actually pointed something out, too. This guy, Hatch, really looked like uh, Tandy from Last Man on Earth. I don't know if you watched that at all. It's this show with... Um, goodness, the guy from Saturday Night Live. Well, and see, much like that show, it's like the name is completely misleading because he's not the last man on Earth. Exactly. <laughs> it wasn't an alien arrival. Exactly. What did the aliens <laughs> arrive? Like, if we're taking the creatures as the aliens, did they arrive on the scene because they didn't come from some other planet? No, we went to them. Misleading title. Arrowhead <laughs> would have been the better title to stick with. But no, they wanted to get that alien reference in there. Well, I think, you know, there's like, we got to get this out here somewhere. Um, there's another big alien movie called Arrival. Let's just try to confuse people and get them to watch this thinking they're watching the other thing. Right, 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 right. And I know I'm kind of skipping all around here, but the actual, like, incubation um, gelatinous cube that the creature was using to doctrinate uh, Kai and Oleander. We haven't even talked about Oleander yet. But yeah, just the, the one it was using kind of just to, to, to trap them. It looked like a Himalayan salt lamp. You know, those orange lamps that people just like, you know, say help you breathe better at night and that sort of thing. It looked exactly like one. It probably was. Oh yeah, the budget, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, you're going to have to let me ramble for a second here. Uh, Oleander. Oleander was... Someone. <laughs> he was. He was. He was on the. Uh, okay. So there were there were two factions. There was the Hatch faction. There was the Lang faction. Um, we really don't know why they were feuding. We'll just consider it's kind of like a Hatfields and McCoy. They're just enemies. Okay. So the the faction uh, that Lang was part of, or rather that Lang headed up, uh, Oleander was one of the high ranking officials in. Um, when Arrowhead crash landed on this moon, he was attempting to get the crew back together to get into escape pods and get out of there. So we met him, I want to say like three times in this film. First time he was on uh, the screen of reef and just saying, Hey guys, you know, this is the meeting point. We're getting together. Come check it out. We're going to leave in about a half hour. Second time we meet him. He is playing up the stereotypical trope of the scared black man with the bug eyes and just warning everybody about some impending doom, but for some reason cannot communicate this clue. So he picks up a gun, and he decides to just start shooting wildly. At first I thought he was going to shoot himself because he knew that, you know, he wasn't quite right or something like that. Um, but no, he just kind of like wildly shoots, and so he shoots Kai, and there's a very confusing sequence where we kind of learn that Kai can regenerate or there's more than one version of him. You know, I think they kind of they, they hung their hat on the idea that a lot of folks saw the sci-fi movie Moon as well, which I would also suggest. 
But yeah, Oleander was just kind of played up as just like, oh, he's this frightened dude. And yeah, that, that was the most character development that we got out of him. The third time that we saw him, or at least the third time I saw him, kind of tuned out for a little bit. He was in the gelatinous cube, uh, except for his head. And Kai took it upon himself at this point to, for some reason, asphyxiate him and kill him. There can only be one. I guess, man. He just did not like Oleander. He punched him a lot you know, when he was warning him about impending doom um, because he may or may not have uh, shot Terran, but he didn't even do that. He just looked back and saw Terran on the ground. He just, oh, I'm punching this guy. It was very confusing. Did you get anything else out of that? Or am I, am I misreading any of this? Well, I would just add that um, he seemed to have vital information. He, he, he couldn't share it effectively, but vital information that our main protagonist, you would assume, would have had that same information and didn't. Right, right. And so it was just odd how they did. Like, two people had gone through what we assume are similar experiences, one of whom has all the information and goes crazy, and the other knows absolutely nothing. Uh, that was kind of odd. But. True, though. Yeah. Weird. So, yeah, Oleander was kind of a waste of a character. I mean, even just going beyond talking about, like, the trophy stuff that he was saddled with, it really seemed like he only served a purpose to further along Kai's storyline. He didn't really have anything going on for himself. Um, this was Kai's movie. I mean, that, there's there's no other character that really mattered overly in this film except for him. Everyone was helping him get to the main goal, which which is still kind of like dubious at best. Also, the the face mask that they were using um, is the uh, <laughs> it's the same face mask that I use in my paint, except they uh, <laughs> took the sides off of it. It's the the uh, the Mercury face mask by 3M. So I'm gonna throw that out there. It's a great face mask. If you uh, spray paint a lot or if you paint houses, I'm known to do sometimes. Uh, yeah, it's a great face mask. Of course, you have filters on it, but yeah, it gets the job done. Shout out to 3M. I'm trying to remember the name of the other movie that had uh, the other Netflix one that had the really cool mask that you want, because we still haven't gotten one of those yet. That seems to be my uh, character arc. <laughs> those, <laughs> those masks. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I remember that. I can't think of the name of the film either. I think Ark. we just. Yeah, Ark. yeah. yeah. So yeah, Ark did have some really cool face masks too. But yeah, I mean, this one has real world applications, and I can vouch for it. Down. <laughs> it may not look the coolest, but it gets the job done. So now, now this is a minor pet peeve, and it's not just about this, but so in so many zombie movies or in this, dude was there for years. He never needed food. Right. He never needed water. He was basically like his own nuclear power source. And they do this in zombie movies. They do this in other things. And it's just one of those little pet peeves, but he never needed anything, and they never even addressed... I, I am happy he had self-regenerating clothing. I appreciate that part. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. You know, because you do wonder in, in situations like this, and like, you know, when a, when, a, when a character hulks out, you do wonder about that. I mean, they did kind of imply that he had taken off his stuff before because he did find his 
find his clothes at one point. But I, I, I don't want to see Man Butt. I, no, I just don't. No, it was funny to me though. You know, as he's transforming, and this is another, this is another um, uh, brilliant shortcut that the movie took. Instead of showing him uh, fully transform, they actually showed like a uh, an animated depiction of what uh, Reef was was viewing on his screen kind of give you an idea of like the legs fold in here when he actually transforms into the beast and that sort of thing like that was cool because you knew they couldn't show the whole thing it, it, it really kind of like uh it was reminiscent of of uh of the thing of uh john carpenter's thing mm-hmm. yeah so i thought that was neat yeah and th- there were so many things going on so many different directions um it was almost kind of insulting when they tried to tie it up in a nice little bow at the end like all of a sudden you know we we saw Terran launch the space we knew that the escape pods were crashing back down to the planet or to the moon rather um to the surface we'll say and you know people were just biting it and like fiery explosions but somehow Terran survived because you know Hatch thought that it was Kai and he saved that one ship um you know, we don't know if Kai's dad is alive because of the way the time was working, but they now have a mission. They're going to go, the three of them, Kai and Taryn and, and Reef, they're going to go save Kai's dad. No, they're going to save everyone. Wonderful. So he's a hero now. I don't know, man. I, I didn't really get the vibe throughout the film that Kai was a very altruistic person. He's very self-interested. So for him to have that revelation at the end that he's going to save everybody, Gander, but everybody else it was just kind of like off character well and uh, yeah that whole line delivery was kind of odd and how was he going to do it you know he's basically taking over for the general who failed in the war he has fewer resources How's he gonna save everybody? No discernible skills except being like super cut all the time. Yeah. Well, like, and like having alien appendages that can stab out of him. But realistically, <laughs> as cool as that is, how many battles is that going to win you? I mean, only that, but it, it, stabby, stabby <laughs> back legs. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It took him like 10 minutes every time to like Hulk out. So, yeah, come on, man. Oh, you need to get it done a little faster than that. And of course, yes. thought that Hatch had died. Explosion. But then we zoom in. Dead body. We hear the creature roaring in the background. It could only mean what? Sequel. <laughs> uh, please no. <laughs> okay, so we, we, we talked about, I mean, we've hit on a lot of the weak points of this, and, and there, there were many. Yes. I, I'm i going to take from some of the other movies and how we've reacted to them. I enjoy a slow burn probably more than you do most of the time. Okay, I'll give you and, that. And so while I think they mishandled a lot of things in this, I, I enjoyed this most of what happened on the planet. There were, some, there were some problematic parts, but I thought overall it was intriguing how they did it. Um, and if you could just really suspend your disbelief, and I mean really suspend your disbelief for certain parts, I I enjoyed most of what happened on the planet, and that's that's where it got me um, 
to my reasonable because I I would like to introduce people to this movie and they may hate me for it. <laughs> um, but just at the end, when the end, when Hatch came back, it basically lost all momentum for me because it just felt shoehorned in. It, I mean, it, that was how the movie was starting, but they had spent so far away from it, it just felt rushed. Like we have to resolve this somehow. We introduced introduced all this stuff in the beginning. Now we have to do it somehow and. They didn't do that well on that. They did not. They did not do well on that at all. I'll, I'll say something complimentary about it. Like, okay, but to, to touch on your point uh, about the slow burn, yeah, it's this is something that my buddy John Castro and I talk about a lot. At the point we're at with cinema, we are so far removed from an audience that will tolerate unequivocally a slow burn. You know, like uh, you saw in the first Alien film, which, by the way, this film completely borrowed the whole sleep pod idea i digress uh <laughs> you're, you're never gonna have another movie that will make the audience wait until like the last 20 minutes you know that was a journey that we went on with ridley scott that we won't be able to recreate it's it's it was a once in a lifetime sort of thing um you know credit where credit is due of course i appreciate that they tried it i do but yeah i mean in in Type of movies that we're looking to get into, the expectations that we have going in, just based on the very nature of what the show is about. You know, we're looking to to. Well, I shouldn't speak for both of us. I'm looking. <laughs> I'm looking for something to entertain me, like hit the ground running. I want something that's going to be too fast and too furious. I'm. But yeah, I, I I really do like movies that understand that they're not really going to be award season material and just go look have these great moments we want to get to we're going to give them to you let's just string them together in a coherent fashion <laughs> so you can enjoy these next couple of minutes you know and it just felt like this one just kind of took itself it, it took that goodwill uh, a, a little too far given their budget and the experience of the people involved I'm not sure that they were necessarily equipped to do a lot better yeah, um, but yeah, I, I can see how that would for for I, I I have more patience for for the slow burn than than all, than most people. Um, yes, yes, and that's completely fair. And I keep saying that I'm going to say something nice about this film, so I'll actually do that this time. <laughs> the cinematography was fantastic, like the the uh, the the film uh, grain that uh, they they went with, and the quality of cameras that they used in this movie were top-notch they did not they did not spare expense with that even from the very opening because we've watched some movies that look like they were straight up filmed by saban entertainment for an episode of power rangers but this looked like <laughs> it looked like a film you know there have been many other australian sci-fi films uh, that i have enjoyed over the years i shouldn't say very many there was dark city <laughs> the 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 last two matrix movies i guess you can consider australian films but jupiter ascending came out fairly recently you know that was one as well of these i mean i gotta say i i did enjoy arrowhead alien arrival uh more than quite a few of them so i mean they did a good job they did a good job but not a good enough job not good enough <laughs> you just couldn't let me land on a positive darn it yeah dude i mean yeah, it was what it was. <laughs> Please don't make a sequel.
<laughs> if you do, if you do, we will be extras. <laughs> that too, yeah. You know, we're still waiting on that call. <laughs> <laughs> if any of you at home have any other thoughts, if if you thought it was awful, if you thought it was great, or somewhere in between, let us know what you thought. And uh, we have something coming up for next episode. Matt, could you tell us a little more about that? Yes, Dave, I can tell you about that. We have a game coming up. Uh, next time around, folks, there is a game on uh, Xbox Games with Gold. Uh, it's called Zombie. Now, uh, without the E, of course, you folks may remember this game as Zombie U, which was one of the launch titles for the Wii U way back in the day. Now, unfortunately, um, as most gamers know, a lot of folks didn't actually pick up a Wii U, so a lot of folks missed out on this one. But this was actually one of the highlights of the uh, the Wii U launch. So Ubisoft, the developer, decided to go ahead and port it to other systems. I'm very excited to play this one, man, because I didn't play it the first time around. I didn't have a Wii U at the time, and by the time I got it, I would completely forgotten that this existed. It got pretty high rankings uh, from a few outlets. Polygon loved it. Uh, but there were some other ones that kind of gave it a little bit more of a uh, a lukewarm uh, response. So critical reception is all over the board, which means that it's perfect for digital dumpster diving. And if anyone wants to try it out, uh, it will be free, I believe, from January 16th through February 15th on the Xbox Live Marketplace. So feel free to, to pick that one up, give it a try, and uh, let us know what you think about it. That's right gonna enjoy this one folks so hopefully you will enjoy it too to hear what we think about zombie folks please tune in to the next episode of digital dumpster diving i'm matt peters and i'm dave martin and it's gotta be better than this please. it's gotta be better next time that too i always miss that out <laughs> i don't think there is a right way to say that one <laughs> there's no wrong way to eat a Reese's. Actually, no, there, there is a right way. How, however I say it is just the right way. Okay. I'm with you on that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody.